All right, last week we looked at how Jesus and the Bible predicted um, the great tribulation and the time of tribulation, the time of great trouble. We Adventists tend to call it the time of great trouble, not or the time of trouble, uh, not the tribulation, but the Bible calls it the, uh, the, the tribulation. So I used that ter terminology last week. And... Um, in Matthew 24, verse 21, Jesus said, For then there will be great tribulations, such as has not been since the beginning of the world, until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And um, the word tribulation, we defined it as a state of great trouble or suffering. And then we, uh, right through our, our presentation, we developed a bit of a diagram that gives us a timeline of events of um, of what well, you know of what will happen uh, during the tribulation during that uh, you know that, that time, and so we go from what Jesus calls the beginning of sorrows, which is wars, natural disasters, famines, disease, social turmoil, or, uh, and that is the beginning of the tribulation, and then the tribulation increases gradually until after the close of probation becomes the great tribulation after the time that Michael stands up or Jesus finishes his uh, medi mediation work. And so um, we put this, you know, the, 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 the most important events or the greatest events that mark the different uh, elements of that time um when when will this happen you know we um, we looked at uh the timeline but the when is that jesus gave us a sign for us to know when the tribulation has actually uh, happened when the time of trouble has begun uh the wars rumors of wars they will keep increasing and they will become unbearable during the time of trouble and that will be what will cause trouble and tribulation to the world uh, for God's people, the tribulation is from another perspective. There will be rejection, there will be persecution, uh, there'll be massive pressure, and eventually that pressure will become spiritual in nature, and there'll be a huge conflict, a, a spiritual, mental conflict. That will be the, uh, the, the greatest time of trouble for us. Uh, but Jesus gives us a sign, and the sign is in Matthew 24, verse 15, where he says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. And then he says, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing baby babies in those days, and pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For them there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. So very clearly the sign that the time of trouble has arrived is the rising of this system called the abomination uh, of desolation. So what we are going to do uh, in the next, uh, in tonight and the next week is, is identify this system because it plays such an important role 
in uh, last day events that we need to make sure that we know exactly what this system is because there's so much confusion in the Christian world regarding this subject when there should not be because the Bible is so clear. And so Jesus again says in Matthew 24, uh, 15, he says, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, it is something, it is a sign that we will be able to clearly see and identify. This is not something that is going to happen hidden in one corner of uh, the world and that, you know, suddenly you'll be surprised to know that this happened, you know, years ago. No, this is something that is going to be public. This is something that uh, as, uh, Jesus left it as a public sign so that those who have you know, studied his word will know when this is fulfilled. So therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, and then he gave us three um, uh, marks that help us identify this system, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, uh, whoever reads, let him understand. So we have this abomination of desolation that was spoken of by Daniel the prophet and that stands in a holy place or in the holy place. That first statement, the abomination of desolation, is, an, is a name that is given to a system to help us identify it. The word abomination comes from the Greek, the lugma. And it uh, strong defines it as I detestation. That is specifically, he says, idolatry. So it is it is an idolatrous system. And Theia says a fell thing. The word the lugma literally means a fell thing, something that it is detestable uh, of idols and things pertaining to idolatry. So it's very clearly an idolatrous system that it is detestable in what it does in regards to its idolatry. And then the word desolation comes from the Greek eremosis, which means despoliation or desolation, this destruction. Uh, Theia says, I'm making desolate, desolation. So desolation refers to destruction of superlative uh, you know, um, quality. It's 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 a it's a destructive system that causes desolation. And so, this is an idolatrous system that causes desolation, desolation or destruction. That's that's what the title really means, the abomination of desolation, and Jesus uses it as something as a sign that God's people should be paying attention. To, and, and, and looking for this sign because it will be the last sign for God's people to be able to escape. And by that, we mean the cities and populated places. Um, as Jesus gave the sign of the, the Roman armies that surrounded Jerusalem, and Jesus said that, uh, you know, left it as a sign for God's people to get ready to escape so that when Jerusalem was surrounded by the Romans, uh, the first time in the year six, uh, 66 AD, and then they left unannounced, you know, the Christians knew that that was the sign. So they left the city and no Christian died in Jerusalem because they were watching for the fulfillment of the sign that Jesus had given them. And so Jesus has left us a sign that we are to be watching and paying attention to so that we can see when it takes place. 
So according to the words of Jesus, uh, it is Daniel the prophet who actually spoke about this system first. So in order to identify it, we need to begin our, our research in the, in the book of Daniel. We're going to do in, in investigative work this week and the following week. We're going we're gonna to try to find the evidence that will help us identify this system. And then next, next week, we're going to go and see which system actually fulfills it and how it fulfills all the, all the identifying marks or the evidence that we are able to, to unearth. So in order to do that, we need to go to the book of Daniel. Um, and Daniel clearly identifies it. Four times he speaks of it uh, directly. Three times he, he mentions it as the uh, abomination of desolation. Once he mentions it in a different way, but it's, it's very clear that he's speaking about this system. In Daniel 11.31, he says, And forces shall be mastered by him, and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Then they shall take away the daily sacrifices. The word sacrifices is added as we're going to look at it later because the, uh, this, is, this plays a really important part in, re, uh, in connection to the abomination of desolation. And says, and, and place there the abomination of desolation. So that statement comes directly, you know, the statement that Jesus gives us in Matthew 24, 15, comes directly from the book of uh, Daniel. Then in chapter 12, verse 11, he says, And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. So again, here we are given a, time, a timeline in regards to the existence of the abomination of desolation. In Daniel chapter 8, verse 13, it says, Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to that certain one who was speaking, How long will the, the vision be concerning the daily sacrifices and the transgression of desolation, the giving of both the sanctuary and the host to be trampled underfoot? I, I want you to notice that every time that Daniel mentions the uh, abomination of desolation or the transgression of desolation, like in this text, is always in context of two things, the sanctuary and the daily uh, sacrifices, uh, or, or the daily, the continual. It's always, so this, the, 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 trans, the abomination of desolation or the transgression of desolation uh, is something that is, connected to, antagonistic to this, the sanctuary and the daily. Now here the, the word transgression allows us to see a little bit further in regards to the desolation. Uh, this system is a destructive system, but it's also, a, uh, uh, sorry, the, uh, it is a destructive system that comes from, you know, um, that springs from idolatry, and uh, the word transgression means rebellion or sin. So it has to do with its attitude towards the kingdom of God uh, and towards the law of God. It transgresses, it breaks, it rebels against the law of God. And, uh, and that's why it's called an abomination, the abomination of desolation. In Daniel 9.27 says, Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, 
and on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. So again, it's mentioned there in a, a little bit of a different way of mentioning, but it's in the, uh, in the middle of the verses, and on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate. Now, Jesus applies the abomination of desolations uh, to two systems, and one of those systems is the Roman armies uh, when they came to surround uh, Jerusalem, and, and, the, and that is based on this verse. Uh, if you read the context, this is very clearly talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, and Jesus uses that, uh, you know, this abomination of desolation to apply to the, you know, to the Roman armies. But we are looking for another application because it is an application that applies to us in the last uh, days. Okay, so the abomination of desolation attacks the sanctuary, replaces the daily, and it causes transgression. So uh, the, the, this is very important because this defines the character of this system. Let's, um, let's look at then the different prophecies of the book of Daniel in chapter 7, in chapter 8, in chapter 11. We are going to see that every, every prophetic outline that Daniel gives us actually mentions in detail this system, not necessarily by name, but we can determine by the actions of the, of the identity that Daniel is mentioning that actually it is the abomination of desolation. Because if we see a system that is idolatrous, and it is, uh, and it is, you know, um, bringing persecution or distraction, especially against God's people. We know that this is the abomination of desolation. So, in Daniel chapter seven and eight, uh, Daniel speaks of this system as the little horn, the little horn. And um, in Daniel chapter seven, verses seven and eight, we have a sequence of different beasts. And, and horns that lead us from the day of Nebuchadnezzar all the way until the setting of the judgment in heaven. So we have the lion, we have the bear, we have the leopard, we have the indescribable beast. Then we have the ten horns on the head of the beast. And in the midst of those ten horns, there's a little horn. And this is the description in Daniel chapter 7, verses 7 and 8 says, After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast. Dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. That fourth beast represents uh, imperial Rome. <laughs> it says it had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. The ten horns are a symbol of the nations that rose in, uh, in the Western Roman Empire that replaced the empire, and we call them Europe. So the horns are a symbol of Europe. It, I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking pompous words. 
So here we 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 meet this system in um, in Daniel for the first time, and it occupies a large portion of the prophecy and also of the explanation that the angel gives Daniel regarding the prophecy. And notice, it says, I was considering the horns, and there was another horn. So this, this horn rises, the little horn rises to power in the midst of the nation, of the early nations of Europe. It is a little one. So it grows while, you know, the, the nations are established. When the na European nations are established, this little horn, this power, this political power rises to power, and it's just a little one compared to the other nations. It says, coming up amongst them before whom three of the first horns were plucked out. So this power, this system, in order to come to power, uproots or destroys three of those early nations, European nations. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man. So it's different. It is a nation because it's a horn. But it is, it is of a different nature because it has eyes and a mouth that speaks pompous words. And those words, as we will find out, they are specifically teachings against God. They are blasphemies spoken against God. So it is a system of idolatry, a system that stands against the God of heaven. So these are the first four signs. Then, then it rises after the fall of Rome. It rises amongst the nations of Europe, destroys three of those nations, and it is different to the other nations because it has eyes and a mouth. Then verses 20 to 22, uh, in the explanation of the angel, he's, uh, the angel is talking to Daniel and he says, and the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn, sorry, this is Daniel seeking, seeking um, clarification on some of the details, he says. And he says to the angel that he wants to know more about the ten horns that were on its head and the other horn which came up before which three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words, whose appearance was greater than his fellows. So though it, it begins to be a little horn, eventually becomes greater than the others, the other nations. I was watching, he says, and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them, until the ancients of days came and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High and the time, time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. So this horn becomes greater than the, the, the other kingdoms of Europe and eventually it becomes a persecuting, persecuting power. That's where the desolation part of the name comes from and um, it, it persecutes the saints of God and prevails against them. And it lasts a long time because it goes from the inset of Europe until the beginning of the judgment. So it, it rules for a long time. And then in verse 24 says, the, uh, the ten horns, this is the angel speaking, are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom. The, this kingdom is Rome. And another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the first ones and shall subdue three kings. This is the angel talking. Then he says, he shall speak pompous words against the Most High. So here we have the abomination part of the description. You see, 
shall persecute the saints of the Most High. That is the um, desolation part of its name. And shall intend to change times and law. Remember the name given in Daniel 8, the transgression of desolation. It has to do what it does with God's law. Now, the, the, the word shall intend to change times and law, more specifically should read, shall intend to change a law that has to do with time. Then he says, then the saints shall be given into his hands for a time and times and half a time. So it rules and it will persecute the saints for a, for a period of three and a half times. So it persecutes God's people, tries to change God's law, and it rules for a period of three and a half times. Now let's, let's define that period of three and a half times. Uh, Strong tells us that that word time technically refers to a year, you know, in Aramaic. And so we have three and a half years, but these are prophetic years. Because it's given in prophecy, it's given in the context of a prophecy where everything is symbolic. And so we have three prophetic years, but we need to turn those three prophetic, three and a half prophetic years into literal years. And in order to do that, we need to do a little bit of uh, exercise. If we go to Revelation 12, 6, uh, here we are given, in Revelation, we are given the key to unlock, uh, unlock the three and a half uh, times. It says, then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. And then in verse 14, we have a very similar text, but it reads different. It says, but the woman was given to wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. So we have this, the, in verse 6, we, we, we see the woman escaping to the wilderness where she's going to be fed for 1,260 days. And in verse 14, the woman escapes to the wilderness. It's just the same action, but she's going to be fed there for time, times, and half a time. So the time, times, and half a time is 1,260 days. These are prophetic days. Why? Why are we converting to days? Because the common denominator in prophetic time is the prophetic day. Because we know by scripture that one prophetic day equals one year. Now, if you were to count three and a half years, you will find that three and a half years, if you, if you, if you give 30 days to every month, you have a total of 1260 days or 42 months. And so the 1260, the, the, you know, the, the three and a half years, 42 months, we're going to meet that time later on when we look at Revelation 3, Revelation 13, the, the 42 months and the 1260 days, they are all the same period and they are pointing to the period of uh, the, the little horn or the abomination of des desolations, period of supremacy and persecution of God's people, 1260 years. That's a long time. That's a long time. It takes us from, you know, the, the beginning of, uh, of Europe all the way through to the 19th century. 
or the 18th, 18th century, sorry, the end of the 18th century. All right, so it's 1260 years, which is the period of supremacy of the little horn or the abomination of desolation. Now, the, the eighth identifying mark or, the, you know, the, the, the eighth piece of evidence that the Bible gives us to identify this system is that his power will be taken away by the judgment and eventually the judgment will destroy uh, um, this system. And the judgment, we are talking about God's judgment here when God sits to judge. That's why in Daniel chapter 7, in Daniel chapter 8, the judgment plays such an important role. Now, in if we go now to Daniel chapter 8, Daniel chapter 8 also speaks of a little horn, says, and out of one of them came a little horn, and it grew up to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and some of the stars to the ground and trampled them. Now, these are not literal stars. Of course, this is symbolic. In Daniel chapter 12, we are told that the starry host is God's people. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, we see the, the, you know, the woman of Daniel 12, a symbol of God's people. You know, she is standing on the moon dressed with the sun and she has stars on her head. So uh, the stars are a symbol and the host of heaven are a symbol of God's people in this prophecy. And he, and he grows up to them and destroys them. He persecutes them as we've already seen. And then in verse, uh, verse 11 says, he even exalted himself as high as the prince of the host. The prince of God's people is Jesus Christ. So this system exalts himself as high. He cannot attack Christ. He cannot destroy Jesus. But on planet earth, he takes the place of Jesus. He exalts himself as high as Jesus or the prince of the host is. And by him, the daily sacrifices were taken away. We're going to study now this. What is the daily sacrifices? And the place of his sanctuary was cast down. Now, the, 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 the place of his, the his sanctuary is the prince of the host's sanctuary, is Jesus' sanctuary that he, that he cast down. And the daily has to do also with the ministry of Christ. Because of transgression, an army was given over to the horn to oppose the daily. So this system creates a system that opposes this, this thing called the daily. And he casts truth down to the ground. He does all this and prospers. And then in verses 13 and 14 says, Then I heard a holy one speaking. And another holy one said to that certain one who was speaking, How long will the vision be concerning the daily sacrifices? And the transgression of desolation, the giving of both the sanctuary and the host to be trampled underfoot. And he said to me, for 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. So th this verse confirms to us that the, the little horn is the transgression of desolation. And it is, it is a system of idolatry. It, it, takes the, you know, it, it takes the place of Christ. It attacks God's people. That is the side of uh, you know, persecution, desolation. And it attacks the system of the sanctuary and the daily, which is a divine instituted system. 
Okay, let's look at what is the what is uh, the sanctuary. The sanctuary in the Old Testament was a symbolic system that God gave Israel to teach them the plan of redemption or how man is saved. And so as you go through the Old Testament sanctuary, you learn how God saves man. And so that's what we call the gospel, the plan of redemption. And it says that this system will attack God's systems, who God's system of salvation, the plan of redemption, the gospel is going to be attacked and is going to be cast down by this system. And then he takes away the daily. What is the daily? In order to understand the daily, we need to have a basic understanding of the Old Testament sanctuary uh, program. God gave Israel a sanctuary uh, system through which he taught them the gospel, how to be saved. Some people think that Israel was saved by, you know, they were legalists, they saved by obeying the law. But the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches us that they were saved by grace as much as we are saved by grace through faith. But they had a system of symbols. We have the reality. The symbols of the sanctuary, the sacrificial system, the priesthood system, pointing, pointed forward to a great reality that was going to be established when Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ came and he died for us. And so in this system, everything is symbolic. And, the, and you know, in the, in, the, in the Old Testament sanctuary system, God gave Israel a, a, a system of sacrifices by which Israel could be forgiven for their sins. But the sacrifices were administered by a priesthood system, which was um, two levels of priests, a common priest and a high priest. And so, uh, and as you study this simple system, because it was a simple system, it's, it's, it's complex in its meaning because it has so much detail that actually predicts and points forward to the great reality that was brought by Jesus Christ. So in the, in the sanctuary ministration of the Old Testament, um, there were two types of services. There was the daily service, which that word daily, spoken of by Daniel, literally means the continual, that, the always, the daily. It is a service that it is always taking place, day in and day out. That's what literally means, that word uh, tamid, uh, the continual, the always, the daily. And uh, in order to understand it, um, you're, if we go to the sanctuary, the, the sanctuary was divided basically into two great uh, divisions, the courtyard and the sanctuary proper, which had two divisions, the holy and the most holy place. In the courtyard, there was an altar of sacrifice and a labor. In the holy place, there was the table of the showbread, the altar of incense, and the seven branch candlestick. And in the most holy place, there was the Ark of the Covenant with the mercy seat, and inside the Ark of the Covenant, there was the table of the law of God and a pot of manna that, uh, you know, was collected and uh, also Aaron's rod that batted. And on the side of the Ark of the Covenant, it was the law, the book of the law of Moses. Throughout the year, the book of Hebrews tells us that the services were divided into two great divisions. Uh, Hebrews 9 says, Now when these things had, had been thus prepared, talking about the sanctuary, the priests 
always, I want you to notice that word always, went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services. That word always is speaking of the, the, the word Daniel uses as the daily. It is the ministration that takes place every day of the year in the courtyard and the holy place. And then he says, but into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year. This is the yearly service, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. So we can divide then the, the services of the, of the sanctuary into two large groups. We have the continual or the daily ministration that happens daily in the courtyard and the holy place, and it encompasses the sacrifices, the washing. It encompasses, you know, the, the, the table of the showbread, the incense on the, on the altar of incense, the, the, the seven-branch candlestick. Everything that happened in that place, you know, in, in the continual ministration, was for, the in, for interceding on behalf of those sinners who brought sacrifices to to the sanctuary. So it is a symbol of the work of Jesus for our salvation. The work of sacrificing himself, giving himself for us, and then uh, interceding on our behalf. And then came, of course, the yearly ministration, which uh, encompassed the whole of the sanctuary system. But that happened only once a year on the Day of Atonement. So the daily that, uh, that Daniel talks about is that system of constant ministration for the sins of man. That is the work of Jesus. And so when we talk about the daily then, it is the continual work done by Jesus for the salvation of human beings. And it says here, dear friends, that this system, the abomination of desolation, will do away with the, with the daily and, its, and, and set itself in its place and it cast away the sanctuary so that people will have no clue what the gospel is. And they will have no idea how to be saved and how to be forgiven. And, he, and it will set up a counterfeit system in its place. So it attacks the sanctuary system and it takes away that daily service, the work of Jesus on our behalf. This is, is massive. This is, this is massive. This is a direct attack of Satan against the only means by which human beings can be saved. And it establishes a system to oppose the gospel. It established, it said there in Daniel chapter 8, that an army is given to it to oppose the gospel. Now, that word army in Daniel chapter 8, let me just get out and I'll show you that verse again, because it's very important. Um, it is this verse here, it says, because of transgression, an army was given over or to the horn to oppose the daily. That word army, army is the same word used uh, at the beginning of the verse where it says host. And remember in the previous verse, it says that, it, that he grew up to the host of heaven. Who is the host of heaven? Who are the starry hosts? Who are the stars of heaven? Well, 
it is God's people. And so, and in the, in the sanctuary system, God's people are symbolized by the common priest. The high priest was a symbol of Jesus Christ, the prince of the host. But the, but the common people, the host, is just, is the common priest, is God's people, is the church, the believer. And so do you notice, did you notice what, what, what it does? The, the, the abomination of desolation uh, develops another, another, uh, another army, another host, another system of priesthood to oppose the work that Jesus does on the work of saving man, to oppose the gospel. And he casts truth down to the ground, and he prospers. During that period of 1260 years, he prospers in doing all this. So let's, let's go back then to our presentation. Um, all right. Daniel 11 and 12 call this system the king of the north. So in Daniel 7 and 8, it's called the little horn or the transgression of desolation, or the abomination of desolation. In Daniel 11 and 12, spoken of as the abomination of desolation and the little horn, or sorry, the king of the north. And uh, we read in verse 31 says, and forces shall be mastered by him. The him is the abomination of desolation. All this is, sorry, is the king of the north. And they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Can you see the attack against the sanctuary, which is the system, is this the gospel, is the, is, 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 the, is the plan of redemption? Then they shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination of desolation. The word sacrifice, remember. Then they shall take away, what is the daily? The ministration of Christ for our salvation. Then they shall take away the, the, the work of Christ for the salvation of man. That's what the daily is. And place there a different system by which man, you know, may think to be saved. The abomination of desolation. It is this system that replaces, takes the place of God, speaks, it, 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 it speaks, Blasphemies against God, it, it raises in, in, uh, itself as high as Jesus Christ, persecutes God's people who have the true knowledge of salvation. And it does away with the gospel, does away with the plan of redemption, it does away with the ministration of Christ, and it develops a system which is counterfeit, a lying system that deceives human beings. In verse 36, talking about uh, the, the system says that the king shall do according to his own will, the king of the north, the abomination of desolation. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every god, shall speak blasphemies against the god of gods, and shall prosper. That's why it's called the abomination, because notice what it does against God. He, he magnifies himself against God, speaks blasphemies against you know, the great god of heaven, and shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished, for what has been determined shall be done. He shall regard neither the God of his fathers, nor the desire of woman. The desire of woman here is the Messiah, is Jesus Christ. The desire of every Jewish woman was that she would be 
the bearer of the Messiah. So the desire of woman is Jesus. He'll have no regard for Jesus, no regard for any God, for he shall exalt himself above them all. But in their place, he shall honor a God of fortresses and a God which his fathers did not know he shall honor with gold and silver. Here we have idolatry. It, it, it honors a, 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 an idol, an idol God. Did not know shall honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and pleasant things. Thus he shall act against the strongest fortresses with a foreign God, which he shall acknowledge and advance its glory, and he shall cause them to rule over many and divide the land for gain. So very clearly, it's an idolatrous system. Very clearly. So exalts uh, himself in the place of God. Uh, sorry, exalts. In the place of God, he exalts a God of fortresses. We'll find out that next week. And uses this God against the strongest of fortresses. Oh, they, they use this, this simple thing, which is their God. They use it and they could control nations, destroy them. Now, we, got, we come to the New Testament, and in the New Testament, in chapter 2, we find Paul speaking about this system, and Paul speaks of this system in the following words. He calls it the apostasy. That word apostasy means that it has fallen from being a Christian, a, a, a Christian power. The man of sin, the man of sin refers to the reality and the mystery of lawlessness that it is against God's law. And the son of perdition, which is again, you know, it is, uh, it is, uh, it teaches and does horrible things. Verses three and four says, "Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. That falling away is apostasy. Is the, is the Greek apostasy, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God." or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So this system is a Christian, a so-called Christian power, because it sits in the temple of God. Paul teaches us that the temple of God on earth is the Christian church, is God's church. This system sits in the, amongst Christians as a Christian and yet exalts himself to be God and demands the worship of God. So it is an apostate system. It's a system that has fallen from true Christianity and has become apostate. It hates God's law. That's why it's, it's called the, 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 you know, the, 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 the mystery of lawlessness. Then in verses 8 and 9 says, and then the lawless one, the lawless one, again, that st statement, the lawless, lawless man, the lawless means that he is against the law of God. One will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. So this system that claims to be Christian, and yet exalts itself above God and, uh, and demands the worship of human beings, who hates God's law and teaches others to do so, it is the working of Satan, and it comes with power, signs, and lying wonders. Wow. 
So he, this system claims to be a Christian entity. He claims to be God and demands God's worship. And Satan is working through this system, giving it power. Mm. It is a satanic system, though it claims to be Christian. No wonder Jesus warned us. And he says that that is the sign in the final hours of human history for us to, to know that the time of tribulation has come. Revelation 13 calls this system the beast. And it's probably, this is the prophecy that is you know, most known regarding this system. In Revelation 13, we'll read uh, the, the part that applies to it. It says, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which, you, which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. I want you to notice something, that this beast looks like the dragon. The dragon is Satan, but it's also Rome in, this, in, in, in the prophecies of Revelation. So it looks like Rome, but it also looks like Satan. And it's, it, notice it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a uniting, but not, not uniting, but it's, it's the bringing together of the characteristics of those four beasts in Daniel chapter 7, the lion, the bear, the leopard, and the, and the, indescri the indescribable beast. In other words, this beast is pagan because all those, those, those systems were pagan, pagan systems. And then it says, the dragon, referring to Satan and Rome, gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. So this system inherits the power of Rome in Europe and it's empowered by Satan himself. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. So it receives a mortal wound. And his deadly wound was healed. So I want you to notice that this system has, uh, in its existence, has three stages. It has the period of existence. I'm going to show it to you in a little while. It receives a mortal wound. Then the mortal wound heals. And notice what happens. It says, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue 42 months. Remember we talked about the 42 months? Here it is. It's the same as 1260 years. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. So this is the abomination part of it. It's abominable, it's idolatrous, it demands worship, it, the, the humanity will worship it as if it was God, and it blasphemed God, and it blasphemed those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to make war with the saints and to overcome them. This is the desolation part of it, makes war against the saints of God. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation, so it has universal authority. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of, of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Man, that's a strong statement. If our names are not written in the book of, uh, of life, then we will end up worshiping and adoring this system. So it looks like the dragon. It is a pagan system, receives power, throne, and authority from the dragon, and has three stages in its existence. 
Notice Revelation 17, 8 says, the beast, referring to the same beast that you saw, was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. So, was, is not, and will ascend. And so, was, the, 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 the part when it was, is during the 1260 years, the Middle Ages, the, the medieval existence. It has universal reign during those three, those 1260 years. Then it receives a more a deadly wound, and comes the period, the period that is called the is not period. And it seems dead. But during that period, the wound heals that was inflicted to the system. And it resurrects. It ascends to rule the world universally for a short period of time. And that's what Jesus says. When you see the abomination of desolation, that's the resurrection part. That's when, when Jesus says, when you see it, know that the great tribulation will happen. It's coming. And the whole world will worship it and obey it. The whole world speaks blasphemies against God and has universal authority. And in Revelation 13, 8 tells us that this system has an identifying mark. It says, here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. So it has an identifying mark that is characterized by the number 666. And that mark is going to be imposed upon all mankind just before the end comes. That's, that is, the, that is the, the time of trouble, when the imposition of the mark of the beast comes upon us. So it has an identifying mark. In Revelation chapter 17, the system spoken of as a prostitute and also as Babylon. And uh, in Revelation 17, reads this, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you this, the judgment of the great harlot. That's the system, the great harlot, who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication. The waters represent the nations of this world, and the kings, the leaders of those nations. And it says that this woman, this prostitute, sits on these waters. She rules over them, and the kings are subservient to her. And the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. The wine of her fornication are her teachings. And she has made the whole world drunk with her teachings. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. So the woman sits on a beast, on a red beast. Remember the, the beast of Revelation 13? This is the beast. It's red, which was full of names of blasphemy. It's a blasphemous beast having seven heads and ten horns. is the same beast. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations. That's the word abomination, remember? And the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drank with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. So here you have, you see, abomination and verse 6, desolation. She destroys the blood. She destroys and spills the blood of the, of the saints. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. 
Then Revelation 18, 9 says, Here is the mind which has wisdom, the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. So this woman sits on seven mountains. What does a woman represent in Bible prophecy? Remember, it is a prostitute or a fallen church. So notice, in the book of Revelation, we have two women. We have the woman of Revelation 12, which is a pure woman. And then the woman of Revelation 17, which is a prostitute. Both represent something. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, Paul says, For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. You see, the church represents, the, uh, sorry, a, a virgin represents God's faithful people, God's faithful church. A prostitute then is a church that once was a virgin, but has fallen from its purity and it has become adulterous. That's why this woman seeks adultery with the kings of the earth because she no longer has power from on high. She's seeking to control the world for, you know, through the kings of the earth. So she is a church, but it's a fallen church. And it is a union of church and state. That's why the woman is riding the beast. The beast in prophecy represents a kingdom or a nation. And the woman is riding the beast. It's a church that is also a state. It's a political kingdom with a church. They are together. And so this system seeks to rule the world. And the Bible says that it will rule the world. The kings of the earth will give their power to this system for a short period of time just before the second coming of Jesus during the time of trouble. And this system has its throne on a place of seven mountains. It, it can't get any clearer than that, but we'll, we'll, we'll unravel all these signs. We have, we, have, we have identified 30 signs that identify this system in prose. There are others. But I have looked at the clearest ones, and uh, there's many of them. So it is an idolatrous and persecuting system, rises after the fall of Rome, rises among the European nations, destroys three nations, is different to the others in, in, in that it has eyes and a mouth that speaks blasphemies, persecutes God's people, tries to change God's law, rules for 1260 years, the judgment will take its power, exalts itself as high as Jesus, attacks the plan of salvation, takes away the constant work of Jesus for our salvation, establishes a system to oppose the gospel, exalts himself against God, speaks blasphemies against God, exalts a God of fortresses, uses this God against the fortresses, claims to be a Christian entity, claims to be, a, to be God and demands worship. Satan works through this system. Looks like the dragon. It looks like Satan. So if you want to know what Satan is like, you look at this system. It is a pagan system, though it claims to be Christian. Receives power, throne and authority from the dragon. That's Rome physically and, and spiritually. Satan has three stages of existence. Was, is not, and it shall ascend. 
um, world will worship it, speaks blasphemies, has universal authority. It has a mark of identification, the number 666. It is a prostitute or a fallen church, a union of church and state, and it and has its throne on seven mountains. Can you, that's, that's a lot we have done. So we have identified the system. Now, we'll, 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 uh, we'll go for it next week and unlock those descriptions and we'll form a, We've got the picture already. You can do investigative work by yourself during the week and we'll discuss it next week. We'll give historical evidence and, and all that next week to identify the, that system. But I want to emphasize something. Jesus, uh, you know, John says that everyone whose name is not written in the book of life will worship this system. And this system is satanic in nature. It doesn't have the good of, the good of, 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 you know, of, of us. No good intentions. Appears to be Christian, clothes itself to be Christian. It presents itself to be a church, but is seeking power to rule the world. And in order to do that, doesn't seek power from above. But it has reached its hand beneath and joined hands with Satan, become a coalition with Satan. And it uses the kings of the earth to enforce its power upon man. You and I must make sure that our life, our name is recorded in the book of life. That means that we belong to Jesus, that we have made a covenant with him, that we belong to him that our sins are confessed, that we are trusting in Him for salvation, that we, are, that we are walking and living with our Savior, and that our life is completely hidden in Him. We need to know truth because this system is called Babylon because it creates confusion. And how does it do, how does it do that? It destroys truth by mingling truth with error. And the only way to to uncover the error that it has spread throughout for centuries is by being led by the Holy Spirit and also study the Word of God diligently that we may know what is truth. Otherwise, we will be swept out by the error that it has spread throughout the world. It has made all nations drink of the wine of its fornication, the Bible says. It's widespread. So I'd like to encourage you, dear friends, to to seek for Christ. I believe that the, this system is rising. We are seeing it with our own eyes. As so I'd like to encourage you, friends, to seek Jesus, to spend time praying, to spend time reading your word, the Bible. Make sure that you know the Bible. And Father in heaven, we thank you so much because your word is thorough. And in regards to this system, Father, the abomination of desolation, you have not left us in ignorance. There's so much evidence on your word that the seeker of truth can search and find that we may know exactly what it is, Father. I pray in the name of Christ, the Lord, that as Satan gains to gain control of the world through this system, I pray that your spirit will have control of our lives through Jesus Christ. And that precious Father, we will have the joy of belonging to Jesus and walking with him and having assurance of salvation. The joy of knowing that the, that glorious ministry of our Savior that is constantly happening on our, on our behalf is effective in our own lives. And that we are loving him and growing in his likeness. We have the assurance of the forgiveness of our sins. 
and that we are hiding in him and we know that our name is recorded in the book a book of life that we belong to jesus as we part lord we pray that you will bless us and give us peace in jesus name we pray amen